When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Fairness is a much more central concept in their lives than it is for adults. We get that sometimes life is unfair. Children haven't really gotten that fact that if it's unfair, it's just unfair. And fairness is a very stable currency within their lives. This week, we're revisiting our very, very first episode of the podcast. It was an interview with Dr. Coleman Nocter, a child psychotherapist for St. Patrick's Mental Health Services. We spoke about coping with grief over Christmas, uh, particularly in relation to kids who are facing Christmas for the first time without a loved one in their lives. And we asked him what the best way to navigate it was. I feel like it was so powerful to talk to him about this because he opened my eyes to that how kids process things is very different than how adults do. Mm. They don't necessarily have the same emotional skill set yet and it's very raw for them. So he really kind of explained a lot more about that which I think is going to be very helpful. Yeah but I think sort of somewhat in contradiction as well they get so excited about Christmas and Christmas is such an exciting time for most kids that that grief sort of gets pushed to the back of the head not for very long, but for a brief moment. And I think for a lot of parents in the situation who are facing their first Christmas with kids for the very first time without somebody that they loved, I think it's managing what happens when the child goes from that huge excitement of Christmas to the sudden memory that their mum or their dad or their sibling or their granny or their granddad isn't there. What he spoke so greatly about was managing that and kind of giving them options Mm. and giving them choice. I felt like I really took that away. And also giving parents some structure, like, yes, create new memories, do new traditions, but do stick with the old. And I think also involving kids in the decision-making process about where you're going to spend Christmas dinner, where you're going to be Christmas Eve, do you want to do something New Year's? I think that for a lot of parents is incredibly helpful because it gives you some sort of guideline about how to approach it. Because just remembering as well, for a lot of us, it's the first time we've done this huge grief and this huge thing that is Christmas without that person. And Christmas is such a memorable time for so many people in a really good way. So to face it in perhaps not as good a way is incredibly difficult. And also as a parent who is suffering the loss as well. So Mm. you're not at your best. So it's very hard to be at your best for your kids during this time. So that's also the challenge as well is what what you're facing and the loss you're dealing with. So it it must be very difficult. But he definitely gave us, I think, some really good pointers to help navigate it. So let's now chat to Coleman and find out what parents can do who are in this situation for the very first time. December is a time of love and joy for many, but the emphasis on tradition and endless social gatherings can also really take its toll on people who are dealing with grief at this time of year, particularly for families experiencing loss. Dr. Coleman Ochter is one of Ireland's leading youth psychotherapists and also the best-selling author of Cop On, What It Is and Why Your Child Needs It, How to Raise Your Child to Survive and Thrive in Today's World. With Christmas nearly in full swing, how difficult can this period be for those experiencing grief? Yeah, I think Christmas for... For a lot of people, it's a, it's a real 
moment in time. Uh, and any anything that's missing from your life seems to be more pronounced around those times where traditionally we talk about gathering around the table and getting the people coming home from abroad and it, there's a real emphasis on presence. Um, and when there's a missing person at the table, it's it seems very... It's it's louder than mm. I think it would be in a normal day-to-day thing. And when we consider, I, th- I suppose, that notion of completeness, mm. then the absence or incompleteness seems much more pronounced. And I think for other reasons, it's this sold and as this time of joy and jubilation and celebration. And for people who are feeling quite the opposite of that, again, it's just amplified in that time. And... Um, and I think it's it's really difficult all the time, but those are moments and times, whether it's uh, an anniversary, a uh, birthday, uh, and, and Christmas is one of those things that I think for a lot of people is something that's endured as opposed to enjoyed. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a, it's, 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 it's really important to be cognizant of that, that not everybody is in the, the festive mode. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's probably something that people feel uncomfortable talking about. They don't want to be a gloomer and bring down the the joy that most people are feeling during that festivity. But um, yeah, it's a really difficult time. The first Christmas after my mom died, I was really caught off guard by how traumatic it actually really was. I, I often tell this story because I couldn't even fully explain it, but I found myself in the shoe section of New Look just sob. I had no idea even where it was. I was just sobbing. And I kind of calmed myself down and didn't even realise how I'd ended up there. But the thing that I found interesting was the rest of my friends and family found it so hard to know what to do. Is there anything that you could sort of say, like in terms of it helping someone through this period of time, if it's a friend or a family member who is going through something, it's so powerful when you're experiencing that loss at Christmas. Is there anything you kind of would advise as a way to help? Yeah, I mean, I think for those people who are who, who are hit in those moments, that kind of moment of sobriety or clarity, uh, where you really experience a loss, and for you, being in the new look shoes section is perhaps you're you're not that you. We can think about loss all the time. We just wouldn't fun- function, so we park it. But there are moments where that floods through, and those are really overwhelming moments where upset and emotionality just absolutely rises to the surface, and it's it's important to experience that in that time universally it's really hard to give advice how to help people in this process because some people will really welcome uh, an opportunity to speak, to talk about, to explore. Other people will just plead for distraction uh, and something that doesn't allow them to go near those emotional points. So it's very hard to give a universal piece of advice. But I would always ask somebody if they want to talk about it and have a, an almost an open door policy to that and say, listen, I'm okay with you wanting to speak about the person that you miss. I'm okay with you telling me how sad things are. I'm not going to try and fix that, but I just want to be here with you and I want to offer that because I think if you're the person experiencing the loss, you need an invitation to bring that into a conversation sometimes. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel that it's an, uh, a given that, peop- that everyone wants to hear about your sadness. And most people will want to support you, but it's through their own discomfort with the topic of, I can't really identify with what you're going through because I've never gone through that. So I don't want to say, oh, I can imagine how you feel because that might feel tokenistic or it might feel shallow. And it, there's a... I suppose a nervousness or an awkwardness around that, especially if you haven't experienced something similar. I think for somebody who has a relatable experience, maybe they know how to manage those topics better. Um, But for people, there's lots of people who go through and maybe hit 
their 30s and 40s before experiencing any loss. And so they can't really mm. relate to that sense of, of, of I suppose, the enormity of that and that what, what that leaves you with. So I think people are, are a little bit uncomfortable with that. But I'd say to people, offer the invitation, offer the support, offer the open door policy, and then at least that person has a license then to, to approach you about it if they need to and if they wish to. So Christmas also is um, it's a time of memories. I think for a lot of people, there's huge nostalgia around Christmas. And for somebody who's lost somebody, that can be possibly the hardest thing, I think, to deal with uh, looking back on the years that have gone by and sort of the time you spent and knowing that that won't happen particularly this year and that this year there'll be new memories and that's what you're creating. For kids at Christmas, there's sort of like this um, this contradiction. They're really excited because Santa's coming and they're really excited because Christmas is about presents and fun and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, it's an incredibly sad time, particularly for the first couple of Christmases because they know that person that maybe maybe it's a parent or a sibling isn't going to be there. How important is it particularly for the first Christmas, to make a new memory, to start new memories, or is that too soon? I think from the point of view, what you're describing there is ambivalence. And ambivalence is really difficult when you have Mm. two competing emotions, one of expectation and hope and one of sadness and loss. And it happens for a lot of people. Say, for example, on your wedding day, which you're really looking forward to, but your dad or your mom isn't going to be there at the table. And and, and, and for people who who ask advice around that, I would always say acknowledge it without labouring it. So you make it absolutely part of the day, but part thereof and allow for the joy and the and the excitement as well. And I think it's really, it's a difficult one to handle because anything that's annual is repetitive. So you're always going to compare this year with last mm. and this year. With it. And if it's the first Christmas, then you've got multiple Christmases where this person is present and this is the first one where they're not. And so it is going to be more raw it's going to be more difficult and again it's just about allowing somebody an opportunity to talk about that person on that mm. day that it doesn't become this kind of okay well, we're all going to, we're we're going to prescribe fun today and nothing else and we have to all be in a fun space we can go through moments of maybe there's an hour in the day where we're quite reflective mm. and perhaps even a bit melancholic but we'll come out of that and then we'll get into the joy piece and that manages ambivalence because you can have both you don't have to be one or other. And when children feel, children live in a very black and white world. So you, it's goodies and baddies, cops and robbers, you know, good days and bad days. They don't really get the integrated experience of greyness. And that day may well be a very grey day where there's some lovely moments and really sad ones. And it's hard to, to allow or give permission for that. But I think that's what you do. And I think as perhaps the adult in the room, you just have to role model that by being able to, go to the sad, reflective place and then come out of it and enjoy the the opening of the gifts or whatever mm. it might be and then return to that and come back. And your fluidity around that will allow the children to see that fluidity of emotion is okay too mm. because children, their emotionality changes quite quickly. But is it important as well to keep to the, to the things you always used to do or is it more important maybe to do something completely new so it's a new experience for them? I think there's there's a risk in both of those things. Like say for example you say right we're going to do something totally different so we're going to Lanzarote for the week and we're not going to acknowledge that Christmas exists mm. which some people would see as a good thing. Christmas will exist the year after or the year after so there'll always be a year where you'll have to do, do something first thing. similar to mm. the way things have always been. Children like ritual. They like 
the consistency of the similar things happening. If there's parts of that that are that have to be different, um, then you help them accommodate to that change. But for me, the familiarity for children, everything is about consistency, it's about reliability. It's about this is how Christmas happens. This is how it's always happened. Now, this year it's going to be different because there's a different element present or a different element absent. But I think the something about the consistency helps children to feel contained. It feels safe uh, and it feels okay. And you can always create new memories within an old system. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to throw everything mm. out and start anew with this kind of blank canvas approach. But it really, it comes down to the people who know those children best. And that would be the parent or the close family member who will say, well, I think the children would like to stay in where they are and have a similar Christmas to the 11, 12, 15 of them that they've had before or else maybe they're not able for that just yet so maybe we'll take a break for a year and return to this when they feel a little bit more robust and it really is I guess at the the knowledge of the person who's closer to that unit mm. and that culture and sees where everyone is at with grief because people will as we all know they'll adjust to grief at such different paces and scales and some people may be really far on in that and closer to an acceptance other people may still be very much in a denial phase of that mm. and so you're trying to adjust to what best fits the people in the room but for me I would just say that there is a benefit in the familiarity even though it's a different familiar there's still going to be familiar elements and that may well make children feel safer Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. If you're looking for a safe haven to express how you feel, share articles, photos, and memories of your loved ones, join the Grief Encounters Facebook group, a place for support, compassion, and empathy for those grieving. Can I ask you a little bit about anger and grief? Because I think that's one of the things that really surprised me the most about it. And I imagine kids probably experience that a lot too. Um, there's a frustration and an anger and not understanding kind of what's happening into your life and, and to your family. And Christmas can be a time, even if you haven't experienced grief, where everybody is at each other's throats sometimes. I mean, that's the reality. We all get back together with our families and sometimes it can be, can be a difficult time. I mean, is there a way to help people sort of manage their expectations about that, that there may be arguments? I mean, my sister and I, our first Christmas, Christmas without our parents, we definitely fought more than we ever did. And we're very close. And it was such a surprise to us both because we, we, 
you know, we felt it was a time we should be close and experiencing all those traditions that we used to have, but we couldn't see eye to eye that just that year. We've we've bounced back ever since. But is there anything that like, I mean, to help people manage the fact that that is part of grief, that anger, frustration, you know, those kind of darker emotions are definitely going to crop up to the surface? Yeah, I mean, I think it's easier in adults to have that conversation because you can you can become aware that perhaps your displaced anger at the unfairness of grief has to be expressed somehow. And so my sibling is closest to me, so they're going to get it. Um, in terms of you have to understand for children, fairness is a much more central concept in their lives than it is for adults. We get that sometimes life is unfair. Children haven't really gotten that fact that if it's unfair, it's just unfair. And fairness is a very kind of, it's a very stable currency within their lives. And so they will feel uh, cheated. That's uh, and, and grief is one of those things that is just fundamentally unfair. And I think from the point of view of trying to get them to accept that is really difficult. But perhaps anticipating that there's moments where that unfairness where spill out for children mm. at an argument with their siblings or a grumpiness or a tantrum or and children don't they don't express anxiety in a very coherent way because it could be about something completely different uh, and it might be a frustration around a present that they got that wasn't exactly right and the, it'll seem to be about that but perhaps it's about something else and I would always say to uh, every parent you know every behaviour has meaning it just might, might not mean what it seems to mean at the time mm. and so being cognizant of the other dynamics that are going on for people in that moment and that maybe it's not about the gift it's maybe about something else and in those moments I would give them what they need not what they deserve so mm. it's not about getting into the row back but almost trying to access what that might be about and it's it's more an arm around the shoulder than mm. uh, ascending someone to their room uh, and it's just being cognizant of being able to manage that more sensitively than in other circumstances. Mm. Well, Christmas, of course, is a very, like for kids as well, like they get all their toys at once, like by day three, they're they're bored, they have nothing to do, they're out of their routine. And for a lot of kids as well, I find that, you know, big events, they're not good with big events. They're not good with birthdays or they're not good with Christmas. And that might be the day. If you've had a recent loss that particularly impacts on the kids, should you on say Christmas Day or Christmas Eve you know maybe all sit down together as you're approaching the next couple of days and go guys this one's going to be difficult and whatever and just you know have that little pep talk with them first rather than leave it to manifest itself naturally Yeah I mean again I'm not so sure it will detour or yeah. avoid those things but it may just set a tone that perhaps this is going but to be turbulent But you're there if and, they and need it Exactly yeah. I mean in Obviously, from a psychotherapy point of view, talking is always preferable over not talking in any circumstance. So you don't want to preempt it and kind of go, this is going to be really dark and it's going to be yeah, really exactly, awful from yeah. the point of view. But you're going to say, look, things are, we're going to be all up and down over the next few days, me included. Mm. And, and for them to see that you acknowledge your own frailties and fragileness mm. in that time and that you're anticipating that. And, but what you, the most important message the children need to hear is, we've got this. So we will get through it. And um, you can say that and acknowledge the turbulence that might happen in the intervening period. But when this is over, we'll still all be together and we'll still we'll mend and we'll, we'll, impro- we'll improve going into next year mm. and it'll be better. So you're trying to be optimistic about it, but you're also trying to acknowledge the difficulty. So I think 
that conversation. I wouldn't have it on Christmas Eve. I would have it the day or two before. A few days yeah, previous, just yeah. To, just to allow that mm. that tone to emerge. But yeah, for sure. I mean, children will will feel relieved by that conversation. They'll feel okay. almost that it's okay. They'll feel... Because what children don't understand is emotionality. Like you're saying there about birthdays and things. Anything where they're overwhelmingly the centre of attention. They can't manage that cognitively and emotionally. So at the end of the day, they're going to have these kind of ridiculous tantrum that seems to come out of nowhere and seems really unreasonable. And you're saying, I've given you everything all day and you've mm. had the most wonderful day and now you're having a meltdown at nine o'clock. But that's pure tiredness. <laughs> Where does that not happen <laughs> anyway? Know, but it's from that tiredness yeah. and that kind of, I, I, I actually can't manage good. this anymore. But when you have that conversation, you're kind of saying, look, if you don't manage it, I'll manage you not managing it. Mm. And that's the thing that's really important. Just um, apropos like Christmas and traditions, kids dealing the first time. There's little things always in the run up to Christmas that kids do, like their Christmas carol services or they have, you know, plays, what have you. They go to the panto. But there's also other things that they might do in an annual thing, like go and get the Christmas tree. Like, and that might be as a family or watch the toy show as a family or whatever. Is that something you should give them choice? Would you like to come with me and get the tree this year? Or would you prefer that I just go and do it and it's there when you go home because daddy isn't here this year? Which is the better option? Do you give them the choice or do you just decide yourself? Always the choice. Mm. Always the choice of inclusivity. The worst thing a child can experience is being... Uh, excluded or pushed out of a process. If they have a choice about engaging with it, then the responsibility lies with them to choose yes mm. or no. Um, but if something like going to get the, the tree is something that has happened, you're going to keep doing that. So you need to do it to, uh, the new way. Yeah. Um, and and it's not about being remiss of remembering someone who's not there. It's about setting a new tradition mm. um, and including them in the tradition rather than having no tradition at all or if the tradition is that I don't get a choice or I come home to a tree that's already decorated when I really enjoyed Mm. doing the tree bit but acknowledging that that process might be difficult that this new tradition will take a while for us to get our heads around and we will be going with a person who was there last year who isn't there this year and so it will be different but it's okay that it's different and we'll just try and manage the difference of it but I I just think... um, I, I don't remember having many conversations with children who feel upset or traumatised by being overly included. I do have conversations with children who feel they were excluded. Yeah. Yeah. And always enough information that they can manage, the maximum amount that they can manage is always good because they feel informed, they feel included and they feel that there's an involvement in that. And they may want to support the person who's going to get the tree on their own. They And we oftentimes don't perceive children as having the selflessness to actually want to be there to support somebody but going with somebody who they are worried about and it going okay is really reassuring that they believe now that the other person has this under control or is managing this is is really sad but they survived the sadness Mm. and when you role model that it's okay to be sad and it's actually okay to experience emotion really intensely but that you come through it it's really reassuring for children because the experience of emotionality is that will this ever end? And there's an infiniteness to sadness. And if we see other people who experience similar levels of sadness and come through it, it just it adds that reassurance that there's a finiteness to this 
high acute distress that we might feel from time to time. So as much as you can do that and role model that and show them that there's the survivability of this, um, I think the more involved, safe and optimistic they'll become. Dr. Coleman Nocter, um, best-selling author, of course, of Cop On, what it is and why your child needs it, how to raise your child to survive and thrive in today's world. Thank you. Thank you.